The Metis Tech Show. Welcome to the Metis Tech Show, a show for HVAC professionals by HVAC professionals. The Metis Tech Show. All right, so Juan, what did you have for dinner last night? I had three um, things rolled up on beef. I forget the name, what they were called. They were not burritos. All right, they were enchiladas. Yes, yes, and they had a red sauce and cheese over it. Oh, man, they were good. Yeah, And what, what was that appetizer we had? That was chori queso. Chori queso. Oh, that is oh, awesome with chips. They say chorizo. With melted cheese. And melted cheese, and then yes. they give you a bunch of chips, and they give you salsa. <laughs> and you dip away. Yeah. I have the fajitas El Jefe. Yes. Which is basically like 30 pounds of food. <laughs> they give you the sautéed onions and peppers, and then they throw in there some shrimp, some chicken, and some steak, and a couple of ribs and some chorizo. And if that's not enough, they give you a thing of beans and rice and, and rice. two things of tortillas. Tortillas? Right? <laughs> and then they give is you... Is that anything like tortillas? <laughs> tortillas. Now, that's something you wrote to a with tortilla. No, come on. I keep telling you, Napoleon Dynamite. Quesadillas, tortillas. Um, and then they give you, if that's not enough, they give you some corn, like a whole corn on the cob, Mexican yes. style, which is wicked good. Wicked. Like, it's wicked good. Mexican street corn. And of course, I had a, because we were at, what's the name of that place? Tequila Mama. Tequila Mama. Tequila Mama. It's in downtown Swanee across from this, I guess it's a park. There's a bunch of people running around. It was around. a park. It was Beautiful a park. area, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, it's some alcoholic drink with a beer upside down. Yeah, that was, uh, what is it called? Margarona. Uh, I had more than one, I'll tell you that. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's basically a margarita in this giant glass that you can basically wash a dog in. Right. Yeah, and, and, it's, before yeah, and they put a Corona upside down. Before everybody forgets, I had a quesadilla. Did you? Yeah, I did. Delicious. Well, would that be a quesadilla in Spanish? Yeah, I, I say how I want. Okay. Okay. Brad, you're awful quiet. What did you eat? Uh, I just had chicken fajitas. Oh, kept so, it simple just, and a Bud Light. Boring. No, uh, Wicked boring. Oh. Yeah. He's a, he's no. He's yeah, new. he'll figure it. He's out. Only, listen. He's, he's only, trying to make up for any yeah, pressure. Yeah. Roland, he's been here a month. He's only gained fifteen pounds. Yeah. Oh, he's slacking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see. I don't see commitment here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I don't you're not taking this job seriously. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what are we going to talk about today? Superheat uh, and subcooling. Yeah, back to the basics. So, I'm going to make a, a confession here. When I got out of HVAC school, which was several decades ago. I graduated from there, and I'm going to be honest with you. I did not know or understand superheat or subcooling. I couldn't tell you what it was. No, I had we had the the textbook definition. Brent, what's the textbook definition of superheat? Superheat is the amount of heat added to a vapor above its boiling point. Right, which means nothing. Right, that's what the the field. That's what the instructor kept telling me. Kept telling me. Yep. You know. So then, many years later, Mm -hmm. I started teaching. You know, at a at a local school, and I said, you know what? When my guys graduate, I'm going to make sure they understand superheat and subcooling right, right. because it's it's critical. Well, it's probably one of the most important things when diagnosing a refrigeration system you need to know. So let me tell you my story. Okay. So back in the 70s, well, I did duck work, and then I eventually moved into service. I was into pump. disco then. <laughs> you, were, you probably had hair. <laughs> Roland's license uh, number is three. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, uh, uh, I remember um, working on a rooftop, and Louie, the guy that uh, was a serviceman, 
And he said, we're going to get looking for 10 degrees of, of subcooling right here. And I was like, well, what's, what's, what's subcooling? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just get 10 degrees. And about four years later, I was in a bar, and my buddy was going to school. And he brought in the white copy version of Modern Refrigeration. And I opened that book up, believe it or not, mm-hmm. right to subcooling. And I read the first paragraph, and all of a sudden, three years just went click. I was like, that's why I'm doing it. And so it was pretty impressive. But I really believe that out there in the field, knowing superheat and subcoolants can absolutely get you out of a hole. Yes. Yeah. No, absolutely. It, yeah. Because for the, the superheat tells you, basically, in my mind, when I, when I take a superheat reading on a system, I just imagine where that change of state is happening. Mm-hmm. Where in the coil is it happening? If I got a high superheat, it's happening way at the beginning of the coil. If I got a low superheat, it's happening at the end of the coil. That change of state has to happen in that coil, in the evaporator coil, for for us to have refrigeration. Right. And Um, and we're talking about this because when I do classes, uh, you know, and we get into the refrigeration part and I give a scenario and I always ask, can we have refrigeration with zero degrees of superheat? And I get some blank looks. The answer is mm-hmm. yes, we can have mm-hmm. absolutely. Can we have refrigeration with zero degrees of subcooling? I get those blank looks, and the answer is no. Without yeah. subcooling, there is no refrigeration. Right. You know, right. zero degrees of, of superheat. You know, that's we got liquid probably coming back to our compressor, really close to it. That's kind of the way I look at it. It's because we got older systems back in the day and newer systems nowadays. Newer systems are so much more technical and precise and more efficient. And even in class, I'll ask guys, you know, how much superheat I have coming back from the evaporator, and I, they'll give me numbers, and they're all good. And I'll say, what about zero? Oh, no, you can't have that. You're flooding back. Not if you have technology that knows yeah. that it's not track it. flooding back. Absolutely. Yeah. In, in, Absolutely. In fact, on an M&P series, yeah. one-to-one system, you know, work under normal working conditions. We're looking for a zero to five degree system superheat. That's right. On the section at the compressor. Yeah, at the mm-hmm. at the compressor. No, the, the, the system, the system superheat. Just to clarify, the system superheat is the heat picked up in the whole system, the evaporator, suction line, everything. Where if I'm talking about evaporator superheat, it's just specific, specifically to that coil, the evaporator right. coil. So zero to five degrees, and this it's a rule of thumb. And, and the thing about rule of thumb is everybody's got a different size thumb. Mm-hmm. So but typically, you're looking for zero to five degrees superheat mm-hmm. on an M and P series one to one system. So what is the definition, in your opinion? Describe superheat. Let's just go around the table. Describe superheat. Well, see, I have to. For me, I have to think of water because everybody knows what mm-hmm. water is. Everybody's seen boiling water, right? And I always remember that diagram the teacher used to draw. You know, uh, the amount of uh, the amount of BTUs you have to add to go from thirty-two degree water to two hundred and twelve degree water, and it stays water. It's one BTU per pound. Blah blah blah. So it's one hundred and eighty BTUs. Right. But to go. From 212 degree water to 212 degree steam, I'm not changing the temperature. I'm just changing that state, right? That's what, 900? 970.4 if you're doing a big boiler. All right. So now I'm at 212 degree, which we call saturation. Saturation means I have liquid and vapor existing at the same time. Doesn't matter how much of each. No, it doesn't Absolutely matter how not. much of yep. each. Yep. I always got, I don't want to get into it, but I always got confused when people said saturated vapor, saturated liquid. To me, that's the same thing. Saturation means they both exist together, which, by the way, is the only time the PT chart works. Correct. Is when you have saturation. So anyway, I'm at 212 degree water and steam existing together. 
Anything above that boiling point, 212 degrees, that's superheat. If I get 213 degrees steam, which is a vapor, obviously, that's one degree of superheat. Right. If I got 222 degrees, that's 10 degrees of superheat. You did some math there. Yeah, so I, I saw you counting on your toes. You, yeah, just you see me take my shoe off. <laughs> and, and so for the benefit of anyone that's listening that <clears throat> has not been in the field uh, as long as we have been, where does superheat begin in the air conditioning system? Oh, right out of the discharge line. Yeah, you have a superheated vapor coming right out of the, the discharge, discharge line. line, right out of the compressor. Right, because the, the compressor is a vapor pump. It it's has a, to have vapor yep. in and vapor out. Right, coming and we out call of, that discharge superheat. Discharge yep. superheat. Discharge yeah. superheat. Sure. Yep. Discharge line. You have superheat. a high pressure, high temperature superheated vapor coming out of that compressor, and on a basic system, it's going to go into a condenser. Right, mm -hmm. that condenser is going to do three things. It's going to de-superheat. It's going to condense, which yeah. is when it's going to go from a vapor to a liquid, and it's going to subcool. So subcool, Brent, what's the textbook definition of subcool? Subcooling refers to a liquid existing at a temperature below its normal boiling point. Right. So let's take that steam backwards. I have, I have over, let's say I have 300 degrees of steam coming in. As I remove heat from it, as that's going through a condenser coil, I'm going to de-superheat it, so I'm bringing that down from 300 to all the way down to 212 eventually. When I get to that 212 degree water, I now start to turn water into steam. That's condensing. So I've desuperheated, I've condensing. Anything below 212 degrees is subcooled, right? One thing that drives me nuts is when people say, oh, I have negative superheat. And they can't have There's it. no such thing. No. No such you can't have negative superheat, right? right? And no, so that's the subcooling is anything below that saturation point when it after it changes state it's all liquid so right. so you need subcooling without subcooling you're not going to have refrigeration cuz you need a column of liquid going to that metering device which is where we're going to start superheating again is in the metering device is always going to be before the evaporator coil and and I think that if you you know even you can youtube stuff nowadays too and get a, a great you know video on um uh superheat saturation and subcooling. You, you go through the whole process. You'll see it often in almost every single, uh, in every single HVAC, some sort of journal of, of HVAC, is that uh, you de-superheat all along the discharge line. You get to the top of the condenser. Normally, they say the top 20% of the condenser is where uh, de-superheating occurs, and then they say the next 80% is where that saturation break occurs, right. and the last 20% is where that subcooling. The one thing that always drove me nuts it, that when I first was figuring it out was superheat does not mean hot. No. It definitely doesn't mean hot, and, it, and subcooling doesn't mean cold. No. Because I'm just going to go back up to New England for a second. If you look at air, and we could Google it, but I'm going to say minus 360 degrees is a condensing point of air. So the minute you're above minus 360 degrees, you're in superheated vapor, and I'm pretty sure at minus 5 degrees outside, that's superheated vapor. I'm not running around in shorts. No, that's I'm right. not doing that. That's right. So, you know, so. One of the teachers I had explained it this way. You take a bowl of water and you put it in a 400-degree oven, right? You have 212-degree water. That's it. The water cannot get any hotter than that. But it's going to create steam to up to 400 degrees because right. that's what's going to happen. And, you know, the teacher put it this way. If you're a monster who likes a 400-degree oven and that's your environment, that's what you like to live in, that 212-degree boiling water is going to feel cold. 
Right. To yeah. us, it, to yeah. us, it's hot. Yeah. But because that's why when you open up a bottle of refrigerant, which you're not allowed to do according to the EPA, so don't do this. Absolutely. You know, when refrigerant boils, it feels coldest, but it's boiling because its temperature, its boiling temperature is well below. Right. You know what we're used to, so it's going to feel cold to us. But it, nevertheless, it's boiling. And refri- I, refrigeration is all in a confined container. Right. So I need to ask my question again. Oh, I like because that. the question that I asked, Apparently, I did get the right answer, but the answer that I got was referring to the whole refrigerant circuit. The, we were talking about zero to five degree superheat mm-hmm. at the suction at the compressor. So that was what I was referring to when I asked my question. Where does that superheat begin? Oh, I guess it's coming back. From where? It's evaporator. Inside okay, the evaporator. That's, that's what I want yeah, oh yeah. those that are listening to yeah, this, yeah, yeah. that are struggling yeah. in understanding this, yeah. where does that superheat begin? It's at the evaporator. Hopefully hopefully right. inside the evaporator somewhere. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and hopefully, as, well, I, should, I don't know if I'm going to confuse people by saying this, but hopefully it's in the latter part of the evaporator right. is where right. the change right. of state happens. Right. Because just like that 970 BTUs to go from water to steam, that's the change of state. That's right. where I'm going to pick up the most BTUs in the evaporators and the change Latent, of state. Latent, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's in, why... In Latin, that's hidden. That's why we have such a right. low superheat uh, right. readings because we're flooding that evaporator. Yeah. The more liquid present at the evaporator, right. the more liquid there is to evaporate. Well, and the more refrigerant evaporating, the more refrigeration effect. And then another thing, too, is that's why we have a lot of individual circuits in the evaporator, right. because we're not allowing that to all happen in one general area. If it was one circuit, now we're having it happen in four different circuits. So we're able to get that right. you know, dis- disbursement of liquid refrigerant better throughout the evaporator. Yeah. So if you're sitting there in your truck and you're listening to us and you don't understand superheat and subcooling, don't feel bad because I don't think anybody... At, it's a process. I don't Absolutely. think any of us did. It took a while. Yeah. But there are places to go. Somebody mentioned YouTube videos. There's the old textbooks. We've even got basic refrigeration classes that that we're putting yeah, we're, together. We're, we're doing we the rec- second one in uh, October. Yeah, we recognize that yeah. there's a need yeah. for this, for the basic refrigeration and basic electricity. There is a need... Yeah. For this, so if you don't get it, and if you're confused about it, don't feel bad. You're not alone, right? And and where I have a lot of refrigeration work in my background with thermostatic expansion valves, so we always adjusted ten to twelve degrees of superheat. So that really helped me a lot too, because now I can understand. Or at that time, I understood that coming out of that evaporator is not liquid. It is definitely you know a, a vapor, and it's a superheated vapor that I'm setting a metering device for. So yeah, I'm glad you brought up metering devices yeah. because back in the day, and again, back in the day, you know, I'm not as old as you and Juan, but I'm I'm close. <clears throat> All right. But back in the day, it used to be, hey, if it's if it's this is how old I am, a cap tube or a piston, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, actuated piston. You're yeah. going to charge how? How you're going to charge? Subcooling. Subcooling. Back and in the day, it's a TXV superheat. Superheat. Right. All right. So. How do we charge now? How do we know? If I'm a technician in the truck, I got a system, any system, it doesn't matter. Right. right? How am I going to know what I'm supposed to have for the superheat or subcooling? Which one should I look at? Right. Right. Well, if you want to look at our stuff, it's basically critical charge system, like a capillary right. tube. So the charge is crucial. And the way we find out the charge, at least the way I tell my classes, is through Diamond System Builder. Yeah. Right. And that's a different yeah. subject. Yeah. Right. And, and, and then there's the old thing, what happens if I have a leak? It's a blend refrigerant. Yeah. 
do I add refrigerant? Maybe to get somebody out of a pinch during the heat weather, hot weather. You but know, you know what happens. So you know actually, what happens. Uh, it fractionates. A, yeah, I had a guy in uh, one of our classes, and he had mentioned something interesting, which is that when they are in a pinch, rather than uh, you know, because we do have a blended refrigerant, we are critically charged. Rather than taking all the refrigerant out and putting it under vacuum to recover just down to you know five or less psi and then putting in our charge just to get them by until we can make our fix mm-hmm. it kind of saves yeah. you know it's, allowing any that's better than just the, topping it off that's right. better yeah that is yep. better than topping it's I, not it was kind of clever it was it's not the perfect way to do it but right. in a pinch it's better than yeah right you're well you all keep the customer up and running because yeah. you could right. shut down business yeah but you know what's going to happen yeah. you know listen you've got 15 calls ahead of you it's three o'clock yeah. in the afternoon we've all been wave yeah it's it's going to happen but yeah, it's critically charged. But it also, you know, if I'm diagnosing something, if I want to know what it's looking at, first of all, I just want to make one thing clear. I'm not throwing my gauges on unless I no. have to. Uh-huh. Nope. If, if I've got a good delta T across the coil, across the evaporator coil, let's, we're talking air conditioning, and I, got, and I got a good delta T, I got nice cool air coming on, I got my airflow, it's what I'm going to check first is the airflow. Right? If I got a good delta T across that, I'm not throwing my gauges. No, no need to. I'm if you got a good delta T, you've them. just checked airflow right. and right. refrigerator. Right. I was going right. to say, even if you had a poor delta T, I wouldn't even start with gauges. You no, check the, your filters, the check your airflow first. You know the fans, yeah. everything good else. Point. Make sure if it's a ducted system, make sure all the vents are open. Yeah, and if we're in city multi, we don't even need our gauges. We got maintenance right. tool. Yep. So right. and I can go to the dip switches and look at my LED screen, look at my pressures. Yeah, now city multi is a little different. Yeah, it is. We're looking at we're looking at superheat and subcooling in many different locations. Right. Yeah. No. So, uh, real quick, bring it back to superheat. What do we need to know in order to calculate superheat and subcooling? Okay. So, if we we want to calculate, let's do superheat on the low side. So, first thing I need is my gauges, or I need to know what the pressure is, yep. and then that my PT chart change it to my uh, saturation temperature. Yep. And then at that point, I need some sort of line, some sort of thermometer, or you know, I don't particularly like the infrared. I do in certain cases, but I like to put some sort of sensor. Right on the if I if I'm doing the evaporator right under my suction line as, cl- as close to the evaporator I as agree. possible. So now I'm going to end up with two temperatures. One of them is a temperature that I'm looking at because of the pressure. I'm converting it to temperature, and the other one's I'm getting a physical temperature on the suction line. I'm going to subtract the two. Whatever number I have left over is degrees of superheat. Super so let's just say my evaporator is boiling at 40 degrees. PT chart tells me that. The temperature of my suction line immediately out of my evaporator is 50 degrees. Subtract the two, I got 10 degrees of superheat super right. occurring inside that coil. So we're looking at 410A at a specific pressure. Absolutely. That's going to give us yeah. a temperature. Mm-hmm. And then we're actually taking a measurement of that temperature and seeing the difference. And that's seeing the difference, yeah. That's it. So you're degrees measuring. of superheat. Because what I do in my class, I draw up two lines, horizontal T's. I do one in red for the cadenza, one in blue. I draw the horizontal line as my saturation temperature because I have a saturation temperature on both sides. And on the one in red, which is my condenser, I put an arrow going up. Anything above that horizontal line is superheat. Yep. I put an arrow going down. Anything below that is subcooling. Yeah. And then on the evaporator, I'm only going to have saturated and superheat. So I draw an arrow up. Anything above that horizontal line is superheat. And I it's need- a pretty good graphic for them to see. Yeah. I need to clear something. Go ahead. You say you measure the superheat at the outlet of the evaporator. Sure. We're speaking of zero to five degrees at the compressor. Right. Where do we measure that section line? Okay. Well, you bring up a good point because there are a couple different kinds of superheat. There's system superheat and there's just evaporator superheat. Mm-hmm. Right, so we have to. If I'm a technician, I need to know which one I measure. Which I just described, evaporator. Right. You described okay. evaporator right. superheat, right. right? 
that zero to five we were talking about earlier for the one to one M and P system. That's system super here. Yes. True. Which yeah. we would measure on the suction line, uh, preferably about six unit. inches from the compressor. Yeah, because yeah. you don't want the residual heat of the compressor right. interfering with that. So and that's a good point. So I could have, you know, I do have superheat at the outlet of the evaporator. And whatever length that suction line is, every time I took a temperature, every foot or something like that, I'm going to pick up more superheat. Right. So, right. you know, we which, look at specific locations. Which, by the way, is the only reason we, um, well, not the only reason, I suppose, but it's the main reason main why reason. the suction line is insulated. Mm-hmm. And it should be the right size with no air gaps in there. That's right. Because then you got condensation, you got problems. That's right. Now we got, yeah, yeah. especially yeah. if it's running across the ceiling up in an attic or something. That's right. So, what about subcooling? What about subcooling? Where am I going to take my subcool reading? What am I going to use? I still need pressure. You should do it right. What's my head pressure? That's right. Right. I still need my head pressure. I'm going to take that pressure. I'm going to take my PT chart. Or I'm going to look on the gauges. Sure. And Same I'm thing. And convert that chart. to a temperature. And like right. Paul said, uh, we've got coil subcooling, which is measured right outside of the right coming out of the condenser. Mm-hmm. Or we have system subcooling, which is measured at the inlet of the metering device. That's right. Right. Which so. is another reason, too, if you think about this, too. What state of refrigerant do I want it going into the metering device? Liquid, so 100% liquid. liquid. Mm-hmm. How do I prove it's 100% liquid? If it's subcooled, subcooled. it's 100% liquid. Yeah, yep. it has yeah. to be, yeah. yeah. Subcooling means it's liquid. And I need that. I need a, a, a solid column of liquid. If I got vapor going to that metering device, I'm not going to have refrigeration. You're going to have high flash gas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. can't do that. Right. And, and if it's a th- TXV, yeah. it's going to hunt. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's going to. So it's one of those things now that I've noticed having been in the field is a lot of people have the digital gauges now so they yeah. can hook everything up and they can see their subheating or their superheat and their subcool yeah. pretty easily. Yeah. Problem is if you don't understand it, you don't know where to go. Yeah. So let's say your superheat is out of tolerance. You're not in that zero to five for Mitsubishi. What would, let's say, a high superheat indicate uh, on our system? It's low charge. Low charge. Low charge. It could mm-hmm. be a low mm-hmm. charge. Yeah. yeah. That same thing with when the subcooling. High subcooling, overcharge, overcharge, sure. Yep. And that's why the discharge superheat is so critical. It is. So I'm going to bring it back to that. Because a high or a high high discharge, a higher than normal discharge temperature or a high discharge superheat, it's an indication of low charge. Mm -hmm. So not one thing. When we check a system, we don't check one thing. No. I like to say minimum of three to five things for verification that the charge is good. Look, I'm going to make another confession. You are? Yeah. yeah. Oh. When I Shall first we? started when I first started in this business. <laughs> yes, you know, my son. Bless me, Roland, for I have sinned. When I first started in this business, because I didn't know any better and I was taught wrong, Yeah. I would only throw the low side hose on yeah. and just look at the... But look at my superheat, just the suction pressure. I had hardly ever, I'm going to say yep. probably the first few months I was in the yeah. field, I never put the high side hose on because people told me, just look at the superheat. Uh, like, you know, we were, I, I think we were all thing. told that. It doesn't matter on the high side. It's yeah. the low side. Just yeah. worry about the low side. Not true. Yeah, but those That's gauges, and I am I I know people like did digital stuff. I've yeah. never liked digital stuff. Even yeah. when I had a meter, I yeah. carried an analog meter because... Yeah. You know, my old Simpson, what's that number? The old big Simpson Like meter? the 50. The I know what you want to yeah. do. They're all cracked. Yeah. Every one of them are cracked. Yeah, they have I them saw, level. I saw a guy that had a brand new one, right? It looked just like the one I had that was 30 years old. Exactly the same thing. Anyway, I digress. I, I like analog simply because to me it's more accurate. Digital yeah. can get out of calibration. Right, right. But Bryn brings up a good point. I need to look at the whole system. Right. right. If I suspect the refrigeration issue, I'm you know, whether I use gauges 
or a maintenance tool or whatever I'm going to use, I need my suction pressure, I need my head pressure, I need those converted to the saturation temperatures, and I need the temperatures of the refrigerant lines in different places. And right? Let me back up on this, and let me tell you something really important. I always say three things before you check anything. Airflow, yep. airflow, what's the third one? Airflow. Uh, airflow. airflow. Because you could have a plugged-up filter, yeah. and that could throw all your numbers off. So realistically, before you get out there and do anything, make sure your grills are open. Make sure there's nothing blocking return. Make sure your filters are clean and your coils are clean. So check your airflow yeah. before we, you, yeah. you do any trouble. Without proper airflow, you cannot have yeah. proper freshers, and you yeah. cannot have proper yeah. temperatures. Yeah. Your cycle's yeah. going to be way off. And throwing yeah. your gauges on is not the first thing you got to go right. for. No. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the reason I do it, the reason I tell people you don't throw your gauges on, is every time you throw your gauges on, a couple of things can happen. First possibility of, all, of a couple possibility, things happen. Possibility you're robbing that system of refrigerant. Yeah. Right? No one could There's a possibility you're putting contaminants yeah. in the system. Yeah. And Roland, you and I happened to, we had taught at the same school, yep. and we had five weeks of air conditioning where the mechanical stuff with these guys, the students were putting on gauges. 30, 40 times. They were recovering, you know, yep. it would be done, it would be done, yeah, for five weeks, that's what yep. they would do. They would throw their gauges on, they'd recover, they'd evacuate, they'd charge, and we would lose oh, 30 to 40 pounds of refrigerant yeah, just from class. what they left in the gauges. Yeah, we'd go yeah. through we go through a can and a half of refrigerant. Yeah. So, you know, and that, so that can happen. You put your gauges on as a last resort if you have to, right? And then for our systems, you want to put it in the test run because we've got Absolutely. a variable frequency, variable speed that's right. compressor that's going to vary on the load. In fact, not to get off topic here, but we had guys come in and do, and they were, did a study, this organization up in, uh, in Massachusetts. They came into our training room they took half their charge out of a one-to-one system, and they still had a good delta T, and they mm-hmm. still had a good superheat and a mm-hmm. good subcoolant. Mm-hmm. That compressor was racing. If that's in somebody's house, they're not going to notice a difference right. comfort-wise with half a charge. Comfort-wise, They'll notice right. a difference when they get their electric bill. Absolutely. Hey, why is this compressor just full yeah. speed yeah. the whole time? So. So unless you put it into test run, you don't get an The test run locks it in at a frequency, and there are charts in the service diagram you can go at where it should give you, you look at the outdoor ambient, you look at the indoor temperature, and it should give you the pressure curves and where you should be. Yeah, and that's something that you see in the field too is that a lot of times if you show up for a no cool or even a no heat, at that point the system's already almost flat. We've already almost lost most of that right, charge, right, and that's because right. our – Compressors are trying to make that work. They're targeting those numbers, and they're trying to make you your heat or your cooling. Um, so because it can do that on half the charge, because of the way that compre- compressor ramps up and down, by the time you get there for that no cool call, you could be flat. You could be just about flat with yeah. very little refrigerant in mm-hmm. the system. Right, right. Yeah, good point. Good point. All right. What else we need to know about super? That's pretty good. So, yeah. That's pretty good. Uh, basic, which is what our purpose was for this one. And, yeah. and, and just getting this into the field. And then we probably more than likely will have another one yeah. deeper into what. It's nice to reminisce. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Nice to reminisce. <laughs> yeah. And if, listen, if you're out in the truck, you're listening to us, you're on the job site, you're listening to us. Uh, first of all, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, second of all, if you have any questions, by all means, shoot us a question. Well, we love your yes. emails. Uh, yep. Metastechshow at hvac.mea.com. Uh, we'll take your question uh, eventually. What was that email again? What was that? Metastechshow at hvac.mea.com. Nice. 
I think we should have a whole podcast that's just, con- just committed to answering, like call it a mailbag and we'll just answer yeah, most any the, questions that get sent in. Yeah, most of the emails we get, we can't read on the air. <laughs> but <laughs> We can edit them. I'll, I'll translate. Yeah, we can filter. You know, you know the, most, the most emails we ever got on any topic, believe it or not, was when we were talking about what Scott was here talking about um, his um, smoking oh, a, a, br- a brisket. Me. Fat side or fat side, fat side up or fat side down. Fat was, side down. It was so controversial. No, see, no, most people are fat side up, but that was so controversial. Uh, that topic that we had more emails on that than any other topic. It was like people are telling us fat side up, fat side up. Fat side. I mean, I can't, I couldn't believe it. Well, then in that case, I'd be doing it wrong. We should yes. have to do a whole episode. Fat just side up. Well, we could throw a couple of those in there. Break it up. Roll down the meat. Listen, it's it's it. Listen, I think I think it's it's a, a preference, just like the toilet paper roll over you know mullet. Oh, that's the, I'm, there's I'm, no I'm, discussion I'm, I'm on like that. Okay, all right, let's go. Let's move yeah. on. Anyway, okay. all right. well, thank you everyone for listening. All right, good, thank you guys. Good topic, yeah. And yeah. also, I mean, we we do trainings, and uh, if you want any more uh, in depth. Uh, and you know information about Mitsubishi specific when it comes to superheat subcooling, all that stuff yeah, that's addressed we, in our MMP, our advanced MMP, all our classes. And brain, and that's a great, that's a great thing. Which I need to add also, besides the training that anyone can attend, take some time and spend some time in the books. All right, I just want to say one you thing too. You need to learn theory. Uh, this is my first podcast with Bryn. Yeah, welcome. He's awesome. Thank welcome you. to the oh, yeah. team. He's awesome. He speaks good English. Listen, let's get back to training before we just say goodbye. We're actually, um, if you're interested, keep an eye on on our LMS. Go to MitsubishiComfort.com. Go to the Professionals tab and look at our classes. We will be having coming up probably uh, beginning of next year. We're going to start teaching basic electricity, basic refrigeration Mm -hmm. classes. So so if you missed it, listen, if you're a seasoned tech and you need a refresher, uh, attend those classes. If you're if you're a tech was brand new, you didn't get that good education in school. Attend those classes. Each one of them is three days long. They're held at our training centers, uh, and they're for us. They're a lot of fun to teach. Getting back to basics, uh, and we did the pilot classes. We had a couple of guys right, come in right. and, they, and they loved them. So keep an eye out for that. Okay. All right, yeah. all right. We're good once again. Say goodbye again. Hasta la vista. I'll be back. <laughs> Adios. Goodbye. Até mañana.